This is a bitter disappointment. It's Friday, February the 9th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Coffee Connoisseur, and with me today, as ever, are Dutch News Contributing Editor and Après Ski Guru Molly Quell and Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Pole Fitness Expert. <laughs> Paul, why are you a pole fitness expert? Have you been taking pole dancing classes? <laughs> um, yeah, I was on holiday to Cambodia. Uh, and, um... for, uh, for anyone that doesn't get that joke, they should check out our Twitter feed. That Indeed. A story about uh, inappropriate dancing. Uh, yeah, in Cambodia. in Cambodia, people being arrested for apparently pornographic dancing. Pornographic dancing. Yeah, some have been released, but the Dutch person hasn't. Right. Which is so how is Paul? How Paul move. is here is very. Confusing. I don't know. Yes, yeah. indeed. So uh, how is your uh, how's your coffee going, Gordon? Uh, much better. I bought about two kilos of uh, Jumbo own brand coffee two months ago because it was cheap. Yeah. So it was, uh, and uh, I, I, I found out found out why it was cheap because it was terrible. <laughs> but I had two kilos of this stuff, and of course, being being <laughs> very Dutch kilos, and integrated, wow. I. I couldn't just throw it away, right, so I had so. to drink through it. Avid listeners will remember that was there not a story about you uh, buying jumbo brand uh, oh, no, washing this, tablets? Yeah, this or is the washing powder. Also yes, terrible. yeah, they're, they're also terrible. But, but I had to get rid of those because my son couldn't stand the smell. So have you not learned your lesson about buying jumbo but, brands? Indeed, I have now. Yeah. Yes, thank Are, you. Have you though? I th- well, I think so. Yeah, and, and you're back from uh, a weekend on the slopes. I yeah. am. Oh well, I didn't spend any time on the slopes. Obviously, I looked at the slopes. Well, well, you enjoyed the views. I enjoyed, you enjoyed the views. views. Enjoyed the booze. I did yeah. enjoy the booze. While sitting, sipping, uh, what was your preferred tipple of choice? Uh, boozy hot chocolate. Oh, very good. Boozy yeah. hot chocolate. Yeah, oh. take what? hot chocolate, dump a bunch of rum in it. It's very delicious. Rum, okay. And oh, uh, but Bailey's is very good in hot chocolate. Yes, it's also very good yeah. in hot chocolate. And, and you managed to go away on holiday, but you didn't get sacked when you came home as well. So you've done not, better than the leader of the not, paper, I, yeah. I, I, I did quit my job yeah. when I got back. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired of leaving, but I did not get sacked. Yes. Um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we have to tell the, our listeners that while we are recording this, there is a giant dog sitting on Molly's lap. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Troubadour Magma, the uh, official podcast dog of Dutch News, is insisting on sitting on my lap during the recording of Indeed. this podcast. We'll post a photo of that on the So if, yeah, and if um, Molly's unusually quiet, uh, that, that, that's why. And, and I wonder what uh, Troubadour has to say about the Winter Olympics. Troubadour, what do you think about the Winter Olympics? Is, is he taking part in the dog sleigh? Of course. <laughs> I've never seen dog roll its eyes before. <laughs> <laughs> He's my dog. It was the first trick we saw. <laughs> this week we'll bring you up to speed on an important development for British expats fighting Brexit and the racism row that's engulfed Thierry Baudet's Forum for Democratie and find out why the Dutch government sacked the elected government of a Caribbean island in the name of democracy. In sport, the Netherlands has a new football manager and in our discussion we'll bring you our indispensable guide to following the Winter Olympics from a Dutch perspective, which of course involves bitter bollen. Yes, it's yeah. the best Olympics-related story. Indeed. But first I'd just like to say fuck the king. Yes, you can do that legally now. Well, not quite. No. Actually, no. Can we all say it? Fuck the king. Fuck the, Fuck king. the king. Yes. Yeah. Now, at the moment, that, at the moment, that could get you five years in prison. Oh. But uh, but there is a move in right. the trade of karma to either scrap the law. Deus and Zestuk have brought in a bill to get rid of this law of Majesteitschenis, which in English we call Les Majesty. Yeah, of course. Indeed. <coughs> um, <laughs> it's true. We don't have an English phrase for it. Ah. Um, which is insulting the king, obviously, or the monarch. Deus and Zestuk want to get rid of this. Uh, other parties are suggesting certainly it shouldn't be a five-year prison sentence anymore, given that if you seriously injure somebody, you only get four years. But if you seriously if it's the king, you probably get a bit more. Okay. Yeah, I would think. But I'm not quite sure. Yeah, you should give it a go. Yeah, I, 
I, I like the king. He seems like a nice guy. No, he's a nice guy. So I, yeah. yeah, I yeah. retract my uh, my profanity against him. Yeah, but a guy was um, uh, in court this year for scrawling "fuck the king" fuck the on king. the palace wall yeah. in Amsterdam. I think that's how, where this all blew up. Yeah. Some parties say that they, they want to keep the offence but just reduce the punishment so that you it's the same as if you insult a police officer or or a mayor. Yeah. What do you think, Paul? Is, is it acceptable to shout insults or throw eggs at the king's carriage? Well, of course, it's it should be allowed. We have freedom mm. of speech. You, you should say anything you like but this touches upon the constitution because constitutionally the king cannot defend himself he's not allowed to do that so perhaps you should protect him from getting insulted and perhaps you should protect the institution of these kind of things but what i think is they shouldn't abolish this law but they just should never enforce it it's it's, it should be a symbolic law it's almost a token law yeah Yeah. the offense is actually insulting the um the office of uh, king isn't it rather than him as an individual person yeah the thing is these these two things are not are never separated so although in law supposedly they are yeah but yeah in practice you can't really do that yeah i don't think you should be able to throw eggs at his carriage though i I genuinely you should be you should have to clean it up right yeah Yeah, at least you shouldn't get an extra sentence i think for it being the king yeah just, just don't throw eggs at stuff no I, i'd be quite happy to spend five years in a dutch jail because that means i uh, i get five years residency in the country <laughs> true, <laughs> and then true. i can apply for a dutch then passport, you can apply for a dutch passport. <laughs> but so. you may be able to keep your european nationality as we're going to hear in a minute. indeed yes our top story is that a group of British expats have won the right this week to have the European Court of Justice decide if they can keep their EU citizenship after Brexit. A panel of judges in Amsterdam agreed to petition the court in Luxembourg to clarify their legal status. They argued that the European Union citizenship is conferred separately from nationality and therefore they can't just be taken away because a country decides to leave the EU. The Dutch government and the city of Amsterdam had opposed the case, arguing that the matter should be settled in the UK courts. There are currently 46,000 British expats living in the Netherlands and 1.2 million across the 28 EU member states. One of the participants in the lawsuit was Vicky Hampton, who runs the Amsterdam Foodie Blog, who is a, a friend of the Dutch, of Dutch News. So. Yes, and she would be great loss to the country. Yeah, she yeah, would. She, she would be a, a tremendous blog. loss to the country. Yeah. I don't know how else I would find restaurants in Amsterdam <laughs> if, she, if she is forced to leave. But uh, does this mean the UK citizens get to stay here after Brexit? No, but uh, what it does mean is that the European Court of Justice uh, is now going to be asked to settle the issue, which uh, I think was their preferred option rather than the Supreme Court of the UK. But wouldn't they like have the chance to become like Dutch citizens or? something by the time this case is settled uh yes they can do if, you, if, if you've been resident for five years or if you're resident for three years and married to a dutch person um and there's been a big spike in the number of british people applying for dutch citizenship since brexit was announced so in the first eight months of 2017 according to new figures there are 150 applications from uk nationals which compares to 40 in the whole of uh, 2015 oh, wow. which yeah, was the year so before the brexit up. vote on top of or perhaps because of being a total twit Cherry Baudet hasn't been having a very good week. The Forum for Democracy leader first got in hot water for basically being a racist. There was some ophef over statements made by FA Days number two in Amsterdam, Yamaz Ramatarsing, uh, several years ago, in which he claimed that there was a relationship between race and IQ. This was based on some long disproven scientific theory. FA Days' other MP, Cheo Hidema, uh, waded into the discussion, commenting that it had long been proven that there is a relationship between IQ and race. That is science, he said. When asked about these statements, Cherry Baudet didn't, said he 
didn't see what the problem was. Then Interior Minister Casa Olengrong mentioned Baudet's remark during a public speech, saying Baudet claimed that this was a scientific debate, he didn't want to get into it, in other words, he allowed blatant discrimination on the grounds of race by one of his party colleagues to go unchallenged. Baudet retaliated by filing a formal complaint against Olengrong with the police on the grounds of defamation, ironic since he claimed the Netherlands should strongly respect free speech during his campaign last year. If that wasn't enough, Baudet also became embroiled in an internal shakeup of the FA Day this week when he fired two senior members of his own party for, according to him, attempting to undermine leadership, which prompted three others to write a letter in which they called on the party leadership to allow for more input from members. So what's going to happen with the police complaint? That is not exactly clear. Most legal scholars think it's unlikely that it's going to move forward, but ultimately, you know, Baudet's goal here isn't to pursue legal action against Olengrong, but to drum up support among his own uh, followers. Yeah, and he's got a weak publicity out of it uh, because people are constantly talking about it on TV and in the papers and on podcasts. And on podcasts. But there's also been more FAD members uh, leaving as as the week's gone on. Yeah, this story is sort of breaking. Um, Who knows who else will be leaving by the time (laughs) this podcast is actually posted this afternoon. The latest departure is... Susan Tonison, who was the number three on the party list at the election for parliament uh, when they won two seats. She said on Friday morning that the way that the party has managed its internal affairs is, quote, far from democratic. Ironic, since they are the Forum for Democracy. <laughs> also making his excuses is historian Frank Unkersmith, who was invited to join an advisory council for the party, only to find out it didn't exist. Uh, so they have no democracy and no forums, apparently, in the Forum for Democracy. He said in his resignation letter that Baudet had failed to honour his promise to renew Dutch democracy. Yeah, <laughs> and he wants to shake up Dutch politics by never actually going to Parliament and debating things, but instead filing complaints to the police. Yes. The Dutch government sacked the elected council on the Caribbean island of St. Eustatius this week after a report accused the administration of corruption, nepotism and intimidation. Junior Interior and Kingdom Affairs Minister Raymond Knops was met by protesters when he touched down at the island's airport this week, and Clyde van Putten, leader of the Progressive Labour Party, the biggest party on the island, said the Dutch were guilty of violating human rights and, quote, state-sponsored terrorism. However, other islanders supported the Dutch government's move, though they criticised the country for not acting sooner. Knops said the Netherlands had a, quote, shared responsibility for the island's well-being, and said direct rule would continue until new elections could be held. St. Eustatius, which has a population of 3,500, has had the status of a special municipality since the dissolution of the Netherlands Antilles in 2010. So, who exactly is in charge now on the island? The islands are now going to be administered by former Curaçao MP Marcelino Franco, who is a physiotherapist, uh, um, but uh, is also... <laughs> so, the Dutch government dissolved the government of another nation, uh-huh. imposed a leader, and that leader's name is Franco. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. But he's been in, he's been in Caribbean politics for 20 years, and Mervyn Stegers, who is a former mayor of Tibergen, who's not been involved in Caribbean politics at all, I don't think, you know. <laughs> Tibergen, it, uh, it's so remote that it might as well be in the Caribbean. <laughs> That's true. true. Uh, the Dutch government says it'll also set up a council of advisors, so the islanders are involved in, in decision-making, but presumably the advisors will not include any of the people who were actually running the islands until now. Um, Clyde van Putten, on the other hand, wants full autonomy for the island, and has said he'll take the case to the United Nations. So uh, two very conflicting perspectives there. Hopefully the uh, Forum for Democracy is not in charge of putting together this advisory (laughs) council because then there'll never be one. Marlene Bart, 
the leader of the PvdA party in the Eerste Kamer, has resigned. She was highly criticized for going on holiday to the Maltese Islands instead of attending the debate on the donor law in the Senate last week. The debate on the donor law is considered to be one of the most important uh, debates this year, and uh, most senators can vote for the law according to their personal opinion rather than their party's official point of view. Initially, Bart had cancelled her holiday when the voting on the law was scheduled during her trip, but when the debate was delayed and the voting postponed due to the large number of additional questions by her Labour Party, she rebooked and went anyway. This wasn't the uh, first time, though, that she was involved in a scandal, right, Paul? No, that's true. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, NSA Handelsblatt revealed that her husband, who was the mayor of Wassenaar, secretly received extra money after he resigned. He was paid 100% of his old salary rather than the 80% he was entitled to, and the couple secretly made an arrangement to live an extra year in the mayor's official residence in Wassenaar. Bart also tried to get a 20% discount on the rent of the mayor's villa, which was already highly under the uh, market value. Mm-hmm. So it's not a very social democratic thing no, indeed. No. to yeah. do. Also, this is like a terrible... I mean, the, the pay thing, fine, maybe you can get away with that, but like, it's really hard to like sneakily live in a place for a year and like not get busted for that. And this uh, obviously bad publicity for the pay for DR comes uh, in the run-up to the local elections. I imagine the party leader, Lodovic Assa, is not too happy. No, I think that's, uh, that's an understatement. <laughs> uh, the Labour Party was working hard to recover from the historic and devastating defeat in the last elections. The Labour Party shrank from 38 seats to only nine seats in the lower house, after which they uh, became an opposition party again. And in that position, they seemed to flourish a bit again. Um, the PvdR was growing in the polls and they had a uh, big victory in an early municipality election in Leeuwarden in November last year. Um, and Usher was hoping to continue this trend, but his party uh, had a couple of setbacks. There was a, an MP who was involved in a scandal regarding illegal activities with social workplace where he was the head of. And now this scandal again. And we, we only have five weeks before the uh, before the municipality yes, elections. So is, yeah, 21st of March. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's not happy with this. Of no, so it's very bad timing. Yeah. Um, and is there any um, possible uh, consequences for the actual vote on the donor law? Yeah, because yeah. she resigned and uh, they, they need to fill uh, an extra seat. Uh, mm. But the PvdA said in a statement that the MP who will replace Bart is also in favour of the law. And if Bart's replacement will not be sworn in in time for the vote, which will take place next Tuesday, another PvdA MP will vote blank and that means that the vote on uh, on this very sensitive subject will not be uh, disrupted. Demonstrating how useful the embarking exams are this week, the Immigration Office has scrapped the employment portion due to a shortage of examiners. The integration exams, known as the embarking exama in Dutch, are required for anyone who wants to apply for permanent residency or citizenship, as well as partner visas and asylum seekers. The current version of the exam contains six parts, four language focused on reading, writing, speaking, and listening, as well as the cultural exam and the employment exam. The employment portion is supposed to ensure that immigrants have a solid knowledge of the Dutch labor market and was instituted in 2005. 15. However, the waiting list for the exam is now at 15 weeks, and Social Affairs Minister Welta Koolmees told Parliament that the waiting for this long is too burdensome on test takers and is delaying people from moving on to their studies or to obtaining a job. So in lieu of the test, applicants can show that they've had 64 hours of instruction and carry out the tasks in the course, such as writing a CV. But aren't they debating scrapping the requirement altogether anyway? Yeah, Colmes also said to Parliament in this letter uh, that they were looking into scrapping the exam for people who were already employed, which yeah. seems to make sense. And did you have to take the uh, employment exam? I did not. So I arrived uh, before it was a requirement. Uh, oh. But given my experience with how useless the rest of the exam was, I am not surprised that this exam has also not proven useful. Um, I think if it's their goal to get people to work, you would think that it would be obvious that people who are already working don't need like an extra bureaucratic hurdle to learn about working. 
In this week's least surprising sports news, Ronald Koeman has been named as the new national football team manager, succeeding... Dick Lawyer! Dick yeah. we, we keep getting to talk about Dick Lawyer. You're, it's so exciting. We just force him into this podcast. Yeah, I, I especially shoehorned a Dick Lawyer reference. I appreciate just for you, that. I appreciate it, Gordon. Yes, uh, Ronald Koeman is succeeding Dick Advocat as manager of Orania. The former Ajax, PSV and Barcelona defender started his managerial career as assistant to Goos Hiddink at the 1998 World Cup before going on to manage a string of clubs in the Netherlands, Portugal, Spain and latterly England with a varying success. He's been out of work since he was sacked by Everton in October following the club's poor start to the season. Koeman has signed a contract until 2022 and he's expected to poach Dwight Lodewegers from Pex Zwolle as his assistant. His first game will be a friendly game against England on March 23rd. Koeman famously scored the free kick in 1994 that meant England didn't go to that year's World Cup in the United States, which everyone in Scotland was really sad about. I, I stopped paying attention. <laughs> Sorry. Doesn't Koeman have a bit of a, of a history with the Germans as well. Indeed, he does. And uh, the Netherlands are playing Germany. Wasn't in, he? Uh, and wasn't he, wasn't he fouled in the Orlo? He was. He was very fouted with the German in um, in 1988 European Championships uh, because uh, the the Dutch beat Germany famously in the semi final. Um, and Koeman then swapped shirts with Oliver Toon. He'd also scored a penalty during the game. Um, and uh, w- when he got the German player's uh, shirt, uh, he, he he pretended to wipe his ass with it. And that caused <laughs> a bit of ophef. Uh, but this is 1988, <laughs> when there was still a lot of kind of unresolved issues yeah. between the Netherlands and Germany. <laughs> then was uh, allowed to. Do. And yeah. there was no Twitter, so there wasn't really like all puff. No, that's yeah, true. but, but there was a fair bit of all puff, I think, and there's there lots yeah. of lots of pictures of it in newspapers. Oh. Uh, but next summer, nice. the Netherlands are going to line up against uh, Germany in the uh, UEFA Nations League, so we'll have to see if uh, Koeman shakes the hand of his uh, German opposite number. The Tweede Kamer voted in favour of a bill that will require cat owners to microchip their pets. 37 local municipalities have asked for the measure, including Amsterdam and Rotterdam. According to D66 MP De Groot, who put the proposal to a vote, 35,000 of the 2.6 million cats in the Netherlands end up in animal shelters every year and their owners often cannot be traced. All coalition parties supported the proposal, as well as the animal rights party Partij voor de Dieren. GroenLinks opposed the bill, saying that cats don't bother with zip code borders. They just don't like borders uh, in general, do they? No. GroenLinks. <laughs> They're like <laughs> British people. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, apparently it's uh, it's already compulsory for dogs yeah. to be chipped. Yes, so is Trubadur chipped? He has you, chipped. You're yeah. checking his chip. I all, can check all, his chip. All those recordings, uh, you're checking it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, is he spying on you? Always. Yeah. No, they um, actually, they're quite, uh, they're quite strict with it. So when we got him from the shelter, he already had a mic chip but then yeah. you have to like bring in your shelter registration paperwork to the vet in order to get the registration like changed over into yeah. your own name so they have to like recalibrate your chip and this is also a municipality thing because that was what Hunlings uh, uh, was opposing that the uh, cats will be registered in, in, in the municipalities if a cat wanders off to another municipality they cannot be traced when I moved here with Murphy so I, ha- I had a dog when we were in the US and I, I brought him here with us that his microchip was always valid in, in like European countries I mean I think it's just like a they just have like a little little wand thing they wave it over it gives you like a readout with the registration mm-hmm. information i know in some municipalities you do have to like register you have to pay a dog tax i've had friends whose dogs have gotten loose and ended up like you know somewhere far away and they you know take them to a shelter the dog gets found and they mm-hmm. scan the microchip and, and call get a the call. owner yeah. yeah i support it being compulsory it's very non-invasive it's very inexpensive and it just makes a lot of sense We'll be gearing up for the Winter Olympics after this word from our sponsors. Access is an independent, not-for-profit organization which has been helping internationals successfully settle in the Netherlands for the past 30 years. Access is run entirely by a team of highly skilled, 
motivated and professional volunteers who have themselves been experts. Their vision is to provide essential, comprehensive and unique services nationally through the expertise and experience of their volunteer expatriate community. You can find out more about AXIS and the services they offer at the website www.axis-nl.org. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. The Winter Olympics are underway in the South Korean city of Pyeongchang. Dutch chef de mission Jeroen Bale has set a minimum target of 13 medals for the team. That's less than the 24 medals won in Sochi four years ago, when the speed skaters in particular won just about everything going. The orange skaters are expected to dominate the arena again in South Korea, although snowboarder Cheryl Maas also has a chance of getting on the podium. So we thought we'd give you a quick guide to the Dutch sportsmen and women to keep track of during the games. But first, Molly's going to tell us about Bitterballen. Yeah, so it turns out that the uh, the Dutch team have sent along a, uh, a Bitterballen a chef to prepare bitterballer for the uh, the Dutch athletes and the mm-hmm. attendees at the Olympics. Is he the bitterballer chef de Michel? No, he is the bitterballer expert. His uh. name is uh, Piet Brink, and uh, he's from uh, the snack food group Von Dobin. Um, and so he was said that it's uh, too uh, too expensive and too difficult to export bitterballa to Korea. So they decided to send him there to make them on the spot. Mm-hmm. Oh, using wow. Korean ingredients. Yeah. So he's he's bringing along, I think, some stuff. But yeah. So but his uh, his they posted his shopping list. It includes 120 kilos of beef, 100 kilos of flour, 60 kilos of butter, 60 kilos of mixed vegetables, 40 kilos of onions, 60 kilos of eggs, and 250 kilos of fine breadcrumbs. Who knew there were vegetables in bitterballa? I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, how how many bit Bitterballer is the chef de Michon aiming for? He is uh, anticipating turning out about 1,300 a day. So that'll be a total uh, over the course of the Olympics of 22,000 bitterballer. He's expected to be working 10 hours a day to uh, produce uh, bitterballer. His wow. snacks will be available at all of the uh, the games that the Dutch are competing at. Oh. Mm-hmm. This is definitely by far the best Olympics. This is the best thing about the, yeah. about the Olympics in yeah. your point of view. Yeah. But he, um, It's already the biggest success in uh, Pyeongchang. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, he, so the Dutch will win the gold medal in bitterballer and if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, but he also uh, he only took a single piece of equipment with him. Do you want to guys want to guess what that is? His hands? Nope. <laughs> a single piece of kitchen equipment. Oh, uh, his uh, deep fryer. His, no, his recipe book. He didn't take the deep fryer. Oh. Didn't take the recipe um. book. He took an ice cream scoop in order oh. to be able to portion oh. out the bitter ball sizes. Oh. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Very good. Um, and in terms of the actual sport, uh, what can we look forward to? Uh, what's uh, mostly who, eating bitter ball. That's maybe, what we yeah, look in, in between eating the bitter ball, and yeah, obviously you should always have a place of bitter ball at all times when you're watching the games on on NOS. But who, who are the main kind of um, uh, sports people to look out for? Uh, well, one of the stars is uh, Irene Wust. Uh, she's the most successful Dutch Olympian ever. She uh, she won eight medals in total, um, and she's going to defend her uh, 3,000 uh, uh, meters title on Saturday. She's also competing in the uh, 1,000 meters, 1,500 meters, and the team pursuit. And uh, also, uh, Antoinette de Jong is one of her main rivals in the 3,000 kilometers. Yeah. She's also Dutch, of course. Yeah, exactly. So, so fairly strong chance for a Dutch victory in that in that event. It's uh, that's speed yeah. skating, right? That's speed skating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, long track speed skating. Basically yeah. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Almost all of the Dutch. Yeah. Athletes no, there's a snowboarder are, going. Yeah. I heard that there was a snowboarder going. Yeah, yeah, there, there are rumors, but no, no, it's <laughs> <laughs> not being confirmed. It's not being confirmed. Yeah. Maybe they'll make the uh, the chef guy participate in the snowboarder <laughs> too while he's there. <laughs> Um, yeah, then we've got um, uh, Sven Kramer, 
who's yep. the uh, um, no, also a, a long distance speed skater. So he's 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 going in the five thousand meters on Sunday uh, at eight in the morning. If people want to get up for that, um, and the t- and, and the ten thousand meters. He he won the five thousand meters at the last two Olympics, and he also set a world record in the warm up race uh, by accident. Yeah. By accident, yeah, he yeah. didn't realize. He, he went. I think the the commentator who interviewed him after the race uh, said, uh, "By the way, that was a world record." And he said, "Oh, was it? Oh, right, okay." <laughs> so, so he's quite it's very typical. Dutch, very humble. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah. um, uh, but anyway, he's. He's also uh, in the, so he's in those two races and the team pursuit um, and the, and the mass start. And then we have uh, one of the uh, one of the great names of Dutch sport uh, for, for for Molly's delectation, uh, Shinky Knecht. <laughs> yeah, he's a short track uh, ice skater, so it's a uh, it's a bit faster than the uh, yeah. and lots of people fall over in short track as well. It's yeah, more more, yeah. Inter- more exciting. Yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely more exciting uh, uh, discipline in my opinion. Uh, he won four world and eleven European titles, so he's definitely the favorite to win this golden medal. But um, uh, last uh, last Olympics in Sochi, he had to settle for bronze. Um, and he will be uh, doing the 1500 meters on Saturday and uh, 1000 meters on Tuesday. Yeah, and then we have the snowboarder Cheryl Mass, who's uh, going in the slope style on Monday morning. Yeah, that's where they um, they ski around a bunch of like obstacles down the uh, down the hill and stuff. So yeah. yeah, and then she goes in the big air event. And that's later on in the games yeah. uh, on the 23rd. Yeah, but the question is if they will start at all because there is uh, some epidemic going on in uh, in Pyeongchang right now, isn't it? Uh, yes, there's been an outbreak of norovirus in the Olympic Village, so about 100 people have gone down with uh, yeah vomiting and unpleasant stuff. Okay, so no, none, of, none of the athletes so far though. It's all uh, been administrators and sports staff. They should uh, call it the uh, Nor. Olympics. Oh God! Please okay. stop with your terrible. <laughs> uh, I, will, I will stop. So, in other disaster Olympics news, what's going on with the uh, the Russians? Uh, um, yeah, I don't. Anyone's uh, everyone's lost track of this. Uh, I think yeah. so the, the, the Russians. First of all, uh, the Russian team is suspended from the Olympics. Was banned from competing. This is all to do with the um, uh, revelations that there was sort of systematic doping going on in right. Sochi, which is why the Russians won a lot of medals at their home games, um, and things like uh, uh, drug tests were being passed through secret holes in the wall between different rooms. Yeah, it was all so, very <clears> like spy games. It was. It was all very, yeah. very kind. Of, yeah, very kind of James Bond thing about it yeah so yes yeah, so, so, so the, te- the team was banned from the games but then 169 individual rational athletes have been allowed to compete under the olympic flag uh, but just a neutral flag it's right? a neutral flag yeah. and also they, they play the olympic anthem rather than the russian anthem uh, if they win and all that kind of thing um and then 28 athletes who were originally banned for life were reinstated last week by the uh, court for arbitration and sport in all kinds of legal uh, appeals and uh, cases going on um and uh, then i think an- another uh, dozen or so uh, lost their appeal this week because they were hoping to compete so they no, no, they can't, but their cases, I think, are still going on. Um, so former speed skating champion uh, Johan Olaf Goss, who's a Norwegian, um, uh, popped up on Newsweek this week to say the whole denounce the whole thing as a farce and say that you know, the IOC and the World Anti-Doping Agency had lost all credibility because of the way this has been handled. Um, so yeah, yeah so so that, that's kind of overshadowed the Olympics from the start. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there is some positive news: the North Korea and South Korea are uh, uh, competing under the same flag, so they mm. are. Reunited again yeah. for, yes. these, uh, for these Olympics. Yeah. Well, there was, was Ophef about the flag, wasn't there? Because the, the, uh, no, flag, the, the flag showing the United Korea also had some islands off to the side, which are claimed by Japan. Oh yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, of there's course. Always there, there are always islands claimed by <laughs> Japan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think that's a good, uh, good, good thing. And um, um, they did this before. I think they stopped doing this, uh, having a team under the same flag, uh, until the Olympics in uh, in Beijing. Um, but they started doing it again, and especially because it's now in South Korea, it's mm. definitely worth yeah. something. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So they could go using the Olympics to kind of drive rapprochement between the two countries. Yeah. So I hope that uh, that will uh, lead to uh, to a better understanding between the two countries. Uh, it's also expected to be a very cold Winter Olympics. Yes. You know, winter Olympics obviously are by definition quite cold. But no, uh, that's not true. In Sochi, it was a sub subtropical uh, yeah. summer destination. <laughs> they where bring, yeah, they couldn't bring in enough snow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So as we are recording this, the opening ceremony is on the way, but uh, uh, they are they already started. Uh, uh, yeah, because right? they, they started with the curling, because uh. so there is an awful lot of curling to get through in the course <laughs> of the games, so that they have to start early. And they started with a mixed curling, which I, th- I think is new this time. I've not, not encountered it before. Um, and then what the, is mixed curling? Well, it's men and women uh. curling together. So will the Scots be sending a team, I assume? It's the only uh, sport they're really good at, right? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's our kind of uh, national winter sport. So the, the, the UK tends to send an all-Scottish curling team to the uh, to the Olympics. Um, so I'll be hoping that uh, we can repeat the success of the curling women's team. Uh, what was that success? Uh, well, uh, the, the, they won their gold medal in 2002. Oh, okay, okay, but to be fair, usually it's... Oh, two. Uh, yeah, usually so either... Can, yeah, exactly. It is our national sport, but like like our all our national sports are not actually all that good at it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Who's t- won t- in previous years? It tends to be the Swedes or the Canadians. Uh, it would be better if it was like the Jamaicans. No, like sadly people not. People from the Maldives. Good luck to the Dutch ice skaters. And that one the uh, one snowboarder, the one snowboarder, snowboarder who, yeah. who nobody knows anything about. No. And really, the person who's going to be working the hardest, the bitterball chef. So good luck. Yeah, to yeah, him. yeah. Good luck yeah, to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. stuck to him. And uh, there's also uh, we'll link to another thing. Which uh, there's a map. Google have done a map showing what what, what everyone in every different country watches. So the thing about the Winter Olympics is it tends to be all the sports tend to be each each country sort of has its own sport that it it and a handful of other countries compete in so it's kind of the alpine skiing is dominated by alpine nations and yeah. ice hockey is sort of canada and russia and america and not, and uh, nobody else but there was some opf about this because the uh, national hockey league where most of the really good players go to play have not stopped the uh, the games during the the winter olympics oh, really? so none of the players in the national hockey league will be playing in the uh, in the winter olympics so that's it really has hit the american and canadian teams quite badly yeah um we will link to the uh the olympic schedule so any of our listeners yes. who want to look at it can find it in the uh, in the liner notes yeah so and the, the, the page on nos that says exactly when all the dutch um athletes are competing exactly. so, so you know when uh particularly for things like when the speed skaters are on um during the daytime because then your office will will, will desert will be uh, be emptied of dutch people yes. and, about, <laughs> and then you'll know where they've all gone right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. And you can now send comments, compliments and abuse by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, you can subscribe to our feed, give the podcast a rating and share it. My thanks to Paul Peters and Molly Quell. I'm Gordon Darroch and we'll be back next week. Hello and welcome to the Dutch News Dog Holding. He's a dog cast. Remember we podcast like while holding a dog. Why is he licking your pants, Gordon? I he's been doing that ever What's since I got in here. I have no idea. Yeah, me too. But it's something really tasty, obviously. Apparently.